Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody, to the Nurse Leader Network podcast. I am your host, Chris Racinos. How many of you have thought about leaving nursing? We are one year into the pandemic, and I've talked to many, many nurses who are just really tired and burned out and are looking to leave not only the bedside, but the profession. There was a recent study that I saw that was done, and over 70% of nurses were currently looking at leaving the profession. So what if I told you that you could build passive income on the side and you could either continue to stay in nursing or decide that you have a different career trajectory. That's exactly what today's guest has done. She has really began to build her portfolio and really diversify her income streams. I'd love to welcome Savannah, the net worth nurse. Hi, thank you. I'm super stoked to be here. We are super excited to have you. And I wish we weren't in the times of COVID because we could have actually met up since we both live in Los Angeles. But I guess this is going to have to do for now. Savannah, tell us about your journey. How'd you decide to go into nursing? Lead us up to where you're currently at today. Yes. So I knew I wanted to do nursing from a young age. I'd probably say junior high or high school when we started exploring kind of what we wanted to do after we graduated and moved into college, what degree we wanted. We had career fairs and looking at different professions. I stumbled upon nursing just because of the diversity within this field and also the high respect and level of trust that it had just with people. I mean, every time I heard people talk about nurses, it was just with a high respect and that they've just made huge impacts on people's lives. And that really stood out to me in the profession. And then as I started kind of diving into it and doing after school programs and volunteering, I love anatomy and physiology. So I love learning about how the body works and health. So it was really kind of a natural fit for me moving into nursing. So that was something that I started in in my prereqs right when I started college. So I went to Sacramento State University. I grew up in Sacramento. I got my nursing degree from Sacramento State. And then I worked in a couple different specialties within nursing. So as a new grad, I got hired on on an oncology floor and I did that for a little bit and then moved down to Los Angeles where I was working on a med search tele floor and then pre-op PACU. And that was related. I was working two jobs at once to save to buy a house. And then kind of before that or around the same time, I went back to school and was getting my master's degree in nursing leadership and administration. And that was because even as a new nurse, I just naturally was holding some leadership positions. People felt that they could come to me with questions or different problems. I was very geared towards problem solving and people realized that. And so I was kind of put into those positions. And then as I went back to school to get my master's, I went for the leadership. And right now I work at a hospital here in Los Angeles and I oversee multiple departments. So I oversee cath lab specials, GI and non-invasive as an assistant manager. Oh, that's fantastic. What would you tell a nurse that's listening right now that wants to go into leadership, but doesn't know Either A, they lack the confidence or B, they don't know how to start. Like, how do you think you built up that natural ability to problem solve or what kind of advice would you give them? I think just talking to the charge nurses as a new grad nurse and coming out and kind of trying to build that confidence with your patients. I created really great relationships with the charge nurses on my oncology floor and they were such amazing nurses. They were so receptive to new grads and were very patient and as I kind of started watching what they were doing and how they were just kind of putting out fires all day, I just felt that was something that I wanted to be doing. 
All right. So tell me what you're up to now. I mean, you're working currently, you're overseeing these units, but you also are dabbling in something else. Tell me what you're up to. Yes, real estate. So I got bit by the real estate bug. I was on maternity leave with my second daughter and my husband and I work full-time jobs. We're busy doing that. This was our second daughter. And we just wanted to start looking for ways that we could kind of create wealth, passive income and Honestly, after having our second daughter, we have a house here in Los Angeles and it's increased in value over $100,000. So we had $100,000 worth of equity in it. And we were talking with the lender about potentially selling and upgrading to a bigger house. Our family was expanding. But then as we started talking to the lender, he was telling us these opportunities that we had to potentially pull out the equity through a second mortgage and use it to buy investment properties that would put cash flow and extra income into our pockets every month. And that concept was so foreign to me. I had never even heard of this existing. And then as I started digging into real estate and the power of passive income and creating additional income strains, it was a no brainer for my husband and I. We just felt we got very specific on our goals and we felt that through real estate and by investing our time and money and effort within real estate that we could create this huge financial freedom, financial wealth plan for us and our family. Are you looking to eventually like have that be the sustainable income and leave the bedside or is it something that you think you always kind of do on the side? So our goal was for my husband to leave his job first by buying these real estate properties, generating this passive essentially replace his income first. I love my job. I plan to be a CNO one day. That's just a goal I've always had. That's been a huge aspiration of mine. And that's something I've just been kind of progressing towards in my career. And I follow that through and kind of see where it goes. But the main thing that we wanted to do was create the opportunities for ourselves to not feel like we were trapped in these jobs. Honestly, throughout COVID pandemic and some of the nurses in my departments who are at that retirement age and then COVID hit and now they're trapped in these jobs, not wanting to come into work, almost miserable in these positions. And it just breaks my heart to see nurses that have worked in a great profession their whole lives really be at this position at retirement age where they literally can't retire because they don't have that income. And I've seen firsthand what real estate can do for these nurses. And now my main goal by creating the net worth nurse is really just to spread awareness and education regarding investment opportunities through real estate. Yeah, it's smart and it's powerful. And it's something that we don't think about until it's way too late. I was I remember like back when I got my first nursing job, I was like in my 20s and they showed us then and there, like if we didn't investing, this wasn't real estate investing, it was just investing compared to if we started investing in our 30s, how much uh, difference we would have in terms of our bank accounts. And it was hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And so, but no, in your 20s and in your 30s, you're not thinking, you're like, I still have like 30 years before I retire. Like I am going to figure it out. And if you look at just the way the economy is going, like we can't really... Um, rely on things like social security or things that, you know, Medicaid and Medicare, like where is that going to be at when we're at retirement age and 30 years from now, like who knows? And so I think building up definitely your worth in other ways is super important. Now, let me ask a question. My sister just sold her house here in Los Angeles and she had $300,000 worth of equity. So she took that money and bought a house cash in Texas. Would this system work around real estate outside of areas like Los Angeles? Los Angeles, we grow equity like crazy. But thinking about the listeners that are in maybe states or counties that don't have that type of explosive real estate, would it work in those scenarios as well? Yes, yes, yes. So I'm going to use your sister. So she 
bought the house for $300,000 cash in Texas. So if she got a mortgage for $300,000 at a 4% interest rate and invested in something like real estate, real estate investments on average return about 15 to 20% for investors. So mathematically, it's a no-brainer, right? Taking out a mortgage, good debt at this point, taking out good debt on that home, the low rate and invested in something where she's getting returns. Now she's building wealth through creating, putting money back in her pocket every month and then just kind of building and snowballing that. So one of my big things educating nurses on leveraging good debt, like home equity loans, also different retirement accounts, retirement accounts are a huge entry point for people wanting to invest in real estate. You can, so for instance, my 401k, I just took out a loan, a $30,000 loan, 401k at 4.3%. And I use Fidelity and I'm using that loan to invest in real estate in a deal that's getting me a 20% return. So although now I'm having to make a monthly payment on that loan, my returns are coming in at 20%. So it covers that and puts money in my pocket every month. So kind of concept, it's a huge mindset shift of being able to change between leveraging good debt. A lot of people, Dave, he's a good component for getting rid of debt. And sometimes people who strongly follow him very adverse taking out any kind of debt, even if it's good debt. As you can see, mathematically, taking out loans and money at such a low interest rate and investing it in something that returns much higher is just a huge thing that I've seen that separates those very financially savvy, wealthy people from those who are just kind of too risk adverse. How do you differentiate between good debt and bad debt? So like if somebody's listening and they're like, well, what is good debt? Like, what would you consider good debt? How do you define it? Something at a low interest rate, something that you're using at a low interest rate to invest in something with a higher return. So home equity, I've talked to people who are taking, uh, they have amazing life insurance policies where you can take loans out on. Some people doing that, the 401k IRA accounts, there's different things that people have in their lives where they don't even know that they can tap into this capital. Bad debt would be on a credit card, spend on things like liabilities, things that really aren't putting money back in your pocket. Yeah. One of the biggest liabilities I see nurses purchase and it's right out of nursing school is like a new car. Like, oh, I deserve this new car. Or if you're anything like me and you're on Instagram and TikTok all the time, you're like, I need that new foundation and I need that new purse. And I really like those scrubs and those $400 boots like would go so cute when COVID's over and I can actually wear them outside. So, okay, we know the difference now between the good debt, the bad debt. What about the person that is, how do you get started? Like think about like the traditional nurse. Traditional nurse probably is coming out of school with some debt. If you're getting a master's or a PhD, you probably have a lot more debt than if you were undergrad. You know, and they're trying to pay that off. Many of them are starting families. Like when you have zero money or maybe you don't even have a house to begin with, like how do you start? What do you do? Yeah, I would just say getting in the mindset of putting away a good chunk of your paycheck towards some sort of retirement account. That's what I did when I graduated nursing school and got my first nursing job. I just automatically put 15 to 20% of my in towards my retirement account. And I ended up this last year, you were able to, money up to $100,000 from your retirement account, penalty free, you do have to pay taxes on it, but people don't realize you have to pay taxes on this money anyways. And I mean, for me, I plan to be at a higher tax bracket later in life than I am now. 
So it was a huge advantage for me to pull from this retirement account under the CARES Act and kind of tap into that capital. So I would say just kind of start snowballing that wealth by pulling it from your paycheck from the start. And then you don't even really notice that money missing. Yeah, I had a nurse that I used to work with and what he did, and not everybody obviously has this opportunity. I know I would not have had it, but what he did was he had his daughter who's a nurse as well. She graduated and then the first year of her employment, he told her just stay home and save your entire check. And so she saved her entire check for nine months and then put that down payment on a house. And if you're living outside of LA, that could probably buy a house. Inside of LA, maybe not. So you definitely, I mean, thinking about the savings in the different ways, whether you get a roommate or whatever to try and collect that money. Now you mentioned the CARES Act and being able to pull out your retirement on that. Tell me more about that. So unfortunately it ended in 2020. So it's something you can't necessarily do anymore unless the government starts rolling out different acts like that. But it was pretty much that you could tap into your retirement account penalty to um, access that money to help with different difficulty people were facing through COVID. But that's honestly just shedding a little bit of light into like all the different opportunities that the most people don't even realize exist into ways that we can tap into different capital. So that was something to work with for a couple of nurses to tap into that and they were using it to invest in real estate. But then like I mentioned before, home equity, like a lot of people don't even realize that that's a thing. And right now, especially with the COVID, real interest rates are still really low. So that's a huge opportunity for a lot of people to kind of tap into home equity, pull out that money, which seems scary, but you're using it to invest in something that's yielding you greater returns. Yeah, like I mentioned, the life insurance plans. So once they have that money, how do you decide on what to invest or how to invest? What did your first investment look like? Yeah, so we invested first in single family homes. We did it across the country in Georgia. We're here in LA, so the price point to entry is very high. We started researching. We did a lot of different research, talking to a lot of people. The Georgia market is very strong. So we bought single family homes over there. But then after doing more research and talking to more people in real estate, we realized that there was a huge opportunity in multifamily real estate, which is apartment deals. And we didn't realize that the normal person can kind of own these. And after kind of exploring the need, we realized that what people were doing is investors were coming together and pooling all their capital together to buy these apartment buildings, which have higher returns and less risk. So that was like, oh, this sounds like ideal, like something we want to do. And then after we had bought those, we had kind of generated some interest from family and friends who were interested in real estate. And basically what it's called is a syndication and multifamily syndication is the people pulling together their resources. So that's now what my husband and I do through real estate. We look and find apartment deals and then we raise capital from investors, mostly medical professionals who want to invest passively in a deal. So that's them taking their capital, investing it with us in this apartment deal, and they're not doing any work. And then they're getting all these amazing real estate reports. They get all these tax benefits as if they were an active investor. So it's really the best of both worlds. Wow. When you mentioned that it's lower risk to do multifamily, what does that mean? So it just means when you have one house, you have one tenant. So if anything happens to that tenant and if anything happens to that house, there's higher variability in what kind of returns you're going to be getting. If it sits empty for three months, you're not collecting rent and you still have a mortgage to pay. 
in a multifamily unit, say you have 20 units, if a couple of the tenants move out, which they do, there's turnover, that you're still able to pay your monthly mortgage every month. And we do strong value add deals where there's different things going on with the building where we're adding value. And what we usually do is like flip these apartment buildings in a sense is we go in there, add the value to the deal and then sell it after five years and then return all investors capital plus some. Wow. Okay. So if nurses are listening and they're like, oh my God, this sounds like way too easy or too fun. I mean, what do they go? How can they find you? The Net Worth Nurse. So you can find me under the Net Worth Nurse on all social media handles. That's Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. I've started creating a lot of educational content because this concept is really foreign to people. I mean, I honestly didn't know what syndications were a couple years ago. And now I do with a lot of my free time. But it's really just educational resources I have on there. I've created a lot of content to just kind of educate people on what a syndication is, what the returns look like, how you can get involved as an investor. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. So what's your ultimate goal? Like, what are you looking to do? Like in five years from now, where do you want to be? Yes, that was another thing. My husband and I, when we first started in real estate, we got very specific on our goals and we wrote down what we want our lives to look like in five to 10 years down the road. And just wanting time freedom with our daughters was huge. We wanted to be able to take off and go stay in Hawaii for a month and be able to run a business. And as a nurse, there's some flexibility in schedules, but we needed to be creating that passive income. And we needed to be, even if we weren't working, we didn't need to be reliable on our jobs, but investing in real estate and these type of things will put that money in your pocket every month without having to do anything. And so that's when we started kind of gearing towards all our resources and just kind of our time into investigating real estate and how we can kind of make it work for us. So our goal is to be in a position where my husband's working full time on our real estate business, that we're continuing to share these opportunities with other people we work with and friends and family. We primarily have friends and family investing our deals, which is what we love. And I've been doing podcasts and I just have other, especially nurses and women nurses reach out to me. And I just love connecting with other people and kind of seeing like what their goals are financially and kind of what we can do now to make it happen and just, yeah, just keep doing what we're doing really. How often do you recommend folks like examine their goals? Like you've looked at your goal, you have like a five to 10 year goal. How often do you look at yours and how often do you think people should be looking at theirs? So usually on a monthly basis, I do mine. I mean, every year I get specific and I sit down. I'm a Tony Robbins junkie. So he's <laughs> big on your goal setting and like having relationships and health and spiritual and financial and career. And just that way, I mean, we can get very, I know nurses were like very goal oriented and career driven, but there's other parts of our lives that we definitely need, need to be spending time towards and like paying attention to and not neglecting. So even relationships and just kind of getting specific on like your why and what you want it to look like, like what your ideal life would look like in five years, like what kind of relationships you have, like what does your money look like? What does your health look like? What are you eating on a day to day and like physically doing for your body? And I do that on a yearly basis, usually around New Year's. And then I do look at it like the first of every month, just kind of like look at them, sit down. Like I wake up an extra hour early on a Saturday morning because I have two young daughters at home. It's a little crazy, but I make it a point to like at the first of the month, that weekend after just wake up a little bit early and sit with them and just kind of like look at them and be like, okay, what am I doing to kind of get to this point? Like what isn't working? Do I need to like pivot and kind of change directions on a few things? It really just makes for such 
a more fulfilling life because as you start achieving these goals, it just creates such confidence and just really happiness, really. Yeah, that's um, I didn't know that like it was something that Tony Robbins preaches because I haven't really followed him. But the wheel of life is like it's real. So if you have not checked out the wheel of life in terms of your goal setting, like you are totally missing out. I read this passage. It was a psychologist and he talked about if you're missing any of those components of your will of life, and it includes like your finances, your career, your community work, your relationships, your friendships, your social life, all of the personal development. If you're missing any, it's like having a flat tire. So you're going to have increases in burnout. You're going to have, you know, increases in general overall, like unhappiness, and you'll lack meaning in your life if you don't have each one of those fulfilled. And for nurses, I think if you look at the higher the nurses go up in the totem pole, right, once they get to like managers, directors, executives and presidents, the rates of divorce like increase with every step oh you get. So no joke. If when I, I remember as an executive, I'd look around and almost every single woman I was with had been divorced, like almost every single one of them. I mean, it says a lot, right? When we're focusing all of our attentions on careers or maybe building a family or whatever it is that we're focusing it on, it's really important to go back and look at like, am I fulfilled spiritually? Am I fulfilled Mm -hmm. in my relationship? Like, what do those goals look like? So I'm glad that you shared that because it's something that I also preach and it makes a whole world of difference in your life if you start paying attention to those things that matter. And you're right, you have to look at it frequently because it's really easy to go off track. (laughs) Yes, we get busy. The days go by so fast. I can't believe it's already been a year since the COVID pandemic. Hey, let's just like time flies. So if you don't take out the extra time to kind of just sit and get specific on what you want out of life, like life will happen and then you won't get what you want. So it's important to do it. Yeah. Okay. So speaking about um, divorce, let's talk real talk. Like you are in this business with your husband. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about like, I think if me and my husband were in a business together, like we one of us would not be living anymore. So and it wouldn't be me. I'd still be alive. So tell me what it's like. Like, how would you guys decide to go in it? How do you manage like the business you know, piece and the relationship piece? Like, what does it look like? Yes, that's funny you say that. I mean, we definitely do have our hard moments where we just kind of like got to take a breather. And yeah, this last week we were having something going on on one of our properties that we're both managing. And we we're just like, OK, how to agree that we don't disagree and like let each other manage that side of the business. I have to remind myself when times get like that, like how I would handle a situation like that with my manager or another coworker. If there was something I didn't see eye to eye on, it wouldn't be like as intense as it is in a relationship. I just kind of have to remind myself, okay, like how would I handle this if it was at work? Like legit, like I'd kind of back off and let someone handle it. So that's a good reminder. But honestly, being in real estate together and investing, it's important that we're on the same page because it's our money that we're investing together. So it's super important that we need to have the same goals and kind of just ideas around what we need to be doing with our money. If you have a spender and a saver in a relationship, it kind of gets difficult at times because you just don't see eye to eye when it comes to money. And so it's important to be on the same page first off. Lucky for my husband and I, we have kind of always been on the same page with money. And so when it comes to investing and building the business, it was something that we kind of, as we started researching it, me being in healthcare operations and looking into what it took to kind of run an apartment syndication, it was like, oh, this is pretty similar to what I do at work. There's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of constant communication. It's putting out fires all day, kind of seeing the project through to the end and what you need to do on a collaboration effort to make it get to that point. And so for me, the operational side was like a perfect fit. I'm like, this is great. 
My husband does all the underwriting. So it's like the Excel sheet numbers, kind of looking how everything looks. That's kind of what he does for his business. He's a benefits broker. So he's used to dealing with Excel sheets. And so I was happy to hand over that side of the business <laughs> to him. And he kind of handles that and does that part of it. And so we're able to work on separate parts of the business, but like together. So obviously if things come up where we need to like collab on something or give different input. And when we did our first deal, we did every step of the process together, just so both of us could get a good idea of how every part of the process works, the legal parts, the number works, the getting the financing from the bank, raising money from investors, what that communication looks like. We did that first deal side by side. And then after we did that deal, now we've split up responsibilities and we kind of give each other the room to work things out in their own style. Cause we do operate differently. And then when it comes to our daughters, we do make it a point when we pick them up from daycare, they come home around 6 p.m. and we do dinner time, bath time, bedtime together as a family every night. We really put our phones away. Like if real estate comes up, we'll kind of talk on it. But honestly, we have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. So it's hard to carry a conversation with those two <laughs> running around. It's all about them. Well, and you then- can carry a conversation, but it's about bubble guppies or princesses. Baby shark. Yes, yeah, baby exactly. shark. Mm-hmm. Coco melon. <laughs> Yes, Coco Melon. <laughs> so then we just spend all our time with them. And then after the girls go to bed, we'll kind of dive into things. And on the weekends, we make it a point to do family stuff together. So it's a balance and it requires a lot of give and take. But marriage in itself is a work in progress. And parenting children together, two separate individuals parenting children together. Like, man, if you can do that successfully, I feel like you can run a business successfully. Yeah, for sure. Well, yes, until like the kids get to the teenage age, because then it's all like I learned that as my kids became adults, like all hell broke loose, because then I was like, wait, you can't do this. And then my husband maybe was like, yeah, you can do this. And then they were like, well, I'm an adult now, so I will do what I want to do. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) No. (laughs) So then then it's like a whole nother. I'm like, no, you can't. And then we just look at each other like, wait a minute. Like, she really is an adult. Like, we can't really tell her what to do. Like, we can tell her. So when she does listen, we're like going to have a heart attack. And then when she doesn't listen, I'm like, shit, I can't do anything about it. Right. Um, (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'll get there. I know. Okay. So for me, thinking about like investing because of any kind of risk, right? Like there's going to be like a kind of a fear factor in there. Like this is Mm -hmm. money, hard earned money. Who knows what you had to do to make that paycheck? What are some of the mindset shifts or some of the internal resistances that we need to battle in order to like go from, okay, I'm thinking about doing this to now, like, Mm -hmm. let me actually like sign on the dotted line. Yes. So risk is a huge thing. So I was talking to a nurse that I work with about what I do and kind of showing her my real estate network nursing and just kind of the apartment deals we're buying with other nurses. And she was like, the first thing she said was like, wow, I really admire your risk-taking ability. And before we even started this conversation, she was telling me like, oh, I've always wanted to get into real estate, but my husband and I just save all our money. Like we have it in a savings account. It's just sitting there. We save all this money. Like what's the average investment into one of your real estate deals? And I said like 50K, that's pretty average, $50,000 that gets you into the investment. And she was like, oh, I have that easy. Like we could do one. And then when she tells me like, oh, you're so risk-taking, like I admire that in you. And I'm, I was just thinking... It is such a risk to let $100,000 sit in a savings account where it's not doing anything for you. What we're doing is we're putting our money to work for you. We're putting our money to work and making it make extra income for you. So the risky thing is letting your money sit in a savings account where... 
it's not growing. And then as inflation continues to rise, you're actually losing money on that. And I've created some really good YouTube videos and blogs about it. But like by letting your money sit in a savings account, you're losing money to the dollar because of the way inflation rises. And so I was telling her it's riskier kind of what you're doing, but just letting your money sit there. And then after we kind of had a follow-up conversation and even with the traditional form of investment through small index funds, through normal retirement accounts, like on average, those generate like around a 9% return. And then you still get taxed on it when it comes retirement age. And you still with inflation, it's not, it's usually closer to five to 7% on average, what those investments are getting you. And real estate is 15 to 20 on the lower end. So, and what we do is we really just, when we're sharing our deals with people and kind of like what we're doing in the real estate, we show them exactly our business plan, why we think it works, what we've vetted out and done our research on to prove that we're going to get these returns for investors. They're projected, but we do our homework and then we've had deals done where we can prove that we're doing it. So it's really a mindset shift that I think is fixed with education. And I always point people either to kind of the content that I'm creating, but then also other people too, because I don't think you should ever be getting all your information from one person. So then I'm kind of like, here's some other real estate people who are doing stuff similar to me. And this is like how they're making it work and really just encouraging people to do their own research on passive income, on real estate investing, on comparing stock market returns to real estate is really kind of the biggest mindset shift. Yeah. Because when I hear, I guess since I live in Los Angeles, when I see my real estate investment, I've lived in my house for, I think about three years now, and it's already gone up almost $200,000 in just those three years in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I look at my retirement, right, that I've been saving forever, I'm like, hey, It hasn't gone up $200,000 in three years. It hasn't gone up $200,000 in 10 years. And so there's so much truth to that that I think that we don't realize. And I think it's a huge gap in terms of what we could be leveraging, especially as nurses, right? Because some nurses make decent amounts of money and then some don't make decent amounts of money, especially depending on where you live. Here in LA, no matter how much you make, it's not enough. It's just really not enough because of how the cost of living out here. And more and more cities are becoming like that. So, wow. Okay, so if you had step one, step two, step three of how people are probably listening and they're like, oh my gosh, it sounds good. Mm-hmm. What are the like step one, two, and three that they could do, especially if they don't have like 50K to invest right now? Like what are the steps they could do? Yes, I would just say kind of start educating yourself. You can head over to my website, thenetworthnurse.com. I have tons of blogs, YouTube videos, doing a bunch of podcast recordings with different hosts to just kind of get the word out there of real estate investing and the power of it. So I think education is your biggest foundational step because then it would maybe turn on some light bulbs up to like where I can get the money down the road. Or if I don't have it right now, like what are some other options of how I can get started in real estate too, if you're not just looking to invest passively, but you're willing to kind of do that equity of doing some work to get these deals done. There's tons of opportunities with that in real estate as well. So I would just say, check out some of the educational resources and kind of start talking to people. Like it took my husband and I talking to our lender to even realize home equity in a home, what we could do with it, how it's a no brainer. And it was talking to people who are involved in real estate or people who are financially savvy, because they'll be the ones who will tell you, no, it's not risky to pull out a second mortgage on your home. If you're going to be investing it in real estate and making money from these rental properties, it kind of takes talking of, okay, this is the right track. Like this is what I need to be doing to grow my financial wealth. Because all we know is we're pushed out into our first job. We sit down with like a carrier like Fidelity and it's like, okay, you need to be putting this much money 
in here to save for retirement. But like, why are we saving all this money until we turn 65? Real estate offers you the opportunities to start investing now to start receiving that cash flow now. And you can really snowball that financial wealth now. You don't have to wait until you're 65. So kind of just education is key. Oh my gosh, I love that. I'm like literally going to be like starting to look at that website so I can get it together myself. Who is the right person in real estate to begin those conversations with? Is it a real estate agent? Is it a loan officer? Like who is it that like, what's the title? Depending what you want to do, probably someone like me, someone, an investor. And then what I do is I have nurses come to me or physicians who are like, Hey, I want to get started. I don't know where to start. And then I'll kind of ask them, okay, what's your home equity look like? What's your IRA account? Most nurses, if you've worked one job and then like switched into another job, most of those retirement accounts get pushed into an IRA. And IRA is a huge opportunity. You can put that money into a SD IRA, which is a self-directed IRA. And you can put that money in an IRA. So it stays in a custodian similar to Fidelity, but you can invest it in real estate. So you're doubling the returns. And that takes really very minimal effort for you as an investor having that money in an IRA, it's just kind of switching it into a different custodian and then investing it in real estate where you're almost doubling your returns. So kind of educating people on that. Another one of them's a nurse um, here in LA. She's super great, but I have resources that I can get people in touch with to kind of figure out how to tap into that capital. And then just kind of looking at different operators deals. So we do deals and I always encourage people to look at other investment opportunities. As you start looking into it, you realize that they're everywhere. Oh, you just Google online like investment syndication. Uh, I'm making this up. I'm like, totally as if I know, I don't know. No, totally. I mean, real estate investment opportunities. I'm sure you'd land on a lot of different things, but it's important to vet out who's doing these deals because a lot of people will kind of overpromise and under deliver. So I think developing trust and rapport with the operators of these deals and look at their track record and who they are as people. And that's kind of a huge hurdle that I've had to kind of cross as building a brand and a business of trying to show people who I am is by like putting out social media where it's like me kind of talking and explaining. And then people realize like, oh, like she'd be cool to do business with or like you're towards someone else, but like everyone's personality appeals to different people. So I think just making sure that you have that strong trust and connection with someone who's giving you this information, making sure that trust is there before you start making any moves. Yeah. Super smart advice. Savannah, when are you writing your book? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a writer. (laughs) You got to get like a ghostwriter or something. I don't know if ghostwriters write that stuff, but yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, Savannah, it has been fabulous talking to you. I think you have spilled all kinds of knowledge. I plan on joining you in Hawaii for a month at a time. So <laughs> so if anybody else is listening and is interested in living in Hawaii or maybe Fiji, I don't know, maybe Tahiti, wherever it is that you're attempting right. to live four weeks out of the every couple of months. This has been really great. I'm super thrilled to have you on the show. Again, if you want to hear more about Savannah, you can check her out at The Network Nurse. And what is your YouTube channel called? The Network Nurse. Yeah, you can find Find me under all those that social media handle. But if you go back to my website, it has kind of like the hub for all my resources. Great. Well, thank you so much, Savannah. This has been fantastic. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me.